0: For the persecutor, Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on Von Mars Radio today. We're delighted to have your company. My special guest in the studio is the CEO for Voice of the Martyrs, Tony Benjamin. Tony, good to have you on the program
1: again. Thank you, Etienne. Always good to be here. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to share. Yeah,
0: wonderful. Well, today we're actually going to talk about a a country that has um, suffered a fair bit under persecution and there's been chops and changes in government and that's an effect on on persecuted Christians there. But we're talking about Egypt today. And uh, you just recently had a trip to Egypt. Could you perhaps just tell us a little bit about the problems in Egypt for persecuted Christians there? Is it a national thing? Is it a regional
1: thing? Uh, What is
0: the the view there in, in
1: Egypt? Look, I think with Egypt, Egypt has been pretty much at the forefront of Christian persecution when you look at organizations like the Muslim Brotherhood and you look at ISIS and so on. So a lot of um, the leaders that were leaders in the ISIS movement came out of the Muslim Brotherhood from Egypt. So it's uh, pretty much a regional challenge for Christians. Egypt in itself is very radicalized. The government uh, of the day today hasn't helped the situation. Um, Christians are under extreme uh, pressure there. And although the government does give you the impression that they're trying to minimize or trying to act on it, Muslim radicalism is very much in play within Egypt at the moment.
0: Right, okay. So does the government... um Try to support the Christian minority there, or are they actually? Is there some COVID things happening even in the government there?
1: The government has showed signs of trying to support the Christian minority there. Um, for example, if you look at periods over the Christian, the Christian feasts that we celebrate, like Easter, hmm. uh, the military presence is unprecedented in Egypt because those are the times: uh, Easter, Christmas time when the radical attacks seem to be uh, intensifying. So the government does let the military out in in mass there, and I've been there during those times, and um, there's there's quite a significant military presence there during those periods of times just to try and keep the peace. Um, Of late, the government has uh, given the opportunity for non-registered churches to be registered and be legal churches. That's a good thing and it's a bad thing also because in many of the churches in Egypt, they have security at the door. And the security at the door is not um, appointed by the church. It's appointed by the local government. Wow. So this is a problem if you're a non-Christian or a Christian convert because you cannot change your identity there, or change your document to say you're now a Christian, um, any Muslim background believers on, like can't attend a church, a legal church there. So there are all sorts of challenges and it's very, very complicated there. Because if a Muslim background believer turned up to a church there saying, I want to go into the service, they look at the ID which they have to produce and say, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. And they get reported. And oh. that causes all kinds of challenges in Egypt. Um, because in Egypt today, there are so many, so many people coming to Christ. The Muslim background believers, um, there are so many of them. And it's a constant challenge to find them uh, places where they are able to worship freely and without intimidation.
0: Mm. So, when we talk about persecution, um, what kind of behaviors? are exhibited against Christians and I guess even against background Muslim believers?
1: Look, against Christians, um, because of the size of the Muslim population there, they they make up the majority of um, the Egyptians there. So, we find that jobs, job opportunities are limited. We find that Opportunities of any form of advancement are limited. Business opportunities are particularly difficult. Um, And in a lot of cases, people's freedom of movement is limited. Mm. What you find then again with Muslim background believers, that brings into play the fact that they have to leave family, they have to leave home, they have to either relocate to a different country or to a different region in Egypt just to be able to survive. Because they classified as apostates, um, and they cannot function where they would normally function when they were Muslim. Many of them are, um, are marked for death. They get threatened with death. The children get taken away from them. They never see their families again. So they really have to start all over again and uh, don't have any support system. So these come with a lot of challenges,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: why the ministry there is so important for us.
0: Absolutely. So it sounds like if you've got a a background as a Muslim believer, you were brought up that way, you're going to suffer persecution. What about people who were born into Christian families there? Can you just explain um, the difference between persecution say, for Christians who were born as Christians? Uh, Do they have the same issues that they have to face? They
1: don't have the same issues. They have similar issues in terms of being a minority. You have to also remember the dynamic in Egypt is quite unique in that if you, there's even persecution within the church, within the Coptic church. So the Coptic church does not want to allow any Muslim background believers into their churches because it brings heat from the government and from Muslim radicalism. Ah. So the church is vehemently opposed to any Muslim background believers attending. So you find that the Pentecostal movement there is the probably the most open to all of that activity but also the Pentecostal movement is more on the side of being the unregistered church right so we work with the Copt- with some sectors of the Coptic church mm. in Egypt and it's it's frowned upon and the people that actually disciple and baptize Muslim background believers from the Coptic church are frowned upon and threatened with expulsion from the church um, threatened by members of the church with uh, harm to their families and so on and this is an ongoing saga we hear of this all the time so besides Muslim radicalism being a challenge The challenges within the church, where the Coptic Church wants to have and continue to have favour, but does not want to take the heat in terms of allowing anybody that's a Christian, whether they have Muslim background, believer or not, Mm. into the church, particularly the Muslim background believers.
0: Well, that's interesting. But obviously, we do work with some of the people in the Coptic Church. There are some people who actually are keen to um, to have some level of um, ecumenism, I guess, evangelical process where they can convert people and then embrace them into the fellowship.
1: That's very true, yes, but that's in limited number.
0: All right, okay. Um, Now, you just recently had a trip over to Egypt. Are there any stories that sort of stand out in your mind that sort of illustrate or help us understand a little bit better the issues that they're
1: facing there in Egypt? Yes. Um, Just before this COVID-19 lockdown thing went, to a pandemic scale, I was able to go to Egypt this year, and um, we we held a pastors conference uh, in a place called Alminia. Unbeknown to me at the time of agreeing to do the conference, um, was that Alminia was the birthplace of the Muslim Brotherhood, mm. and a lot of there's a lot of ISIS activity even today. So I went straight into the lion's then getting there and had to be confined to the hotel for this conference. We had the conference in the hotel. It was mainly evangelical pastors and their wives that attended. And I was told that this was the first ever such conference in Armenia, which wow. really, really shocked me. Now, there's a strange situation with Armenia. We had to take the desert road and believe me, it is a desert road. There's absolutely nothing Mm. surrounding that road but desert. And the reason why it was safe for us traveling the three-hour trip there was because if we had to go by public transport or by train, we would be questioned by the police, and the police would follow us everywhere we went when we got to Almenia under the guise of looking after us because it's dangerous more to the point of spying on us and to see who we were connecting with what activity we were holding there and who was participating so that was quite a treacherous trip and on the way back from almenia we actually had a road accident because of the danger in the road thankfully we were all okay and we managed to get back to egypt safely so almenia was a pretty unique place Mm. and the challenges of pastoring uh, a Pentecostal church there are like I've never experienced before because all of these people, all of these pastors and churchgoers, live amongst the Muslims there. As you can imagine, yeah. And there's a clear identifier there by the dress code: who's Muslim and who's not. Wow. So you get identified immediately, particularly the women. Hmm. And in some, to some extent, the men. So it's uh, like, it's glaringly obvious who you are and where you're from. And if you're a stranger there, you really will stand out. So my colleague and I were very closely guarded and looked after while we were there. We couldn't venture out of the hotel. We couldn't really go anywhere on our own. We were confined for that few days. We had that conference to that space, but it was such an amazing conference It was an outpouring of God's anointing within that space. People, uh, pastors and their wives were asking us to pray for them. And we spent hours and hours and hours praying with these people. It was an amazing move of God in that place. And uh, that's just really spurred our resolve on to make this an annual event in Almenia with the conference. One of the challenges we had is we have... Muslim background believers that have got quite a big ministry in Alexandria, and I invited them along. When I invited them, I didn't really understand the magnitude of the logistics we had to put in place so that they could attend. Mm. We had to put them into a separate hotel. Because when you check into the hotel, you've got to produce your ID. They've got a Muslim ID. Uh, Why are they attending a Christian conference? Right. So all the logistics surrounding that. So these guys had to stay in a separate hotel and travel to the conference venue daily and go back to the hotel at night. Um, So that was interesting. It was an interesting dynamic. Hmm. And um, we didn't share with all of the pastors there that they were Muslim background believers. We had to keep that to ourselves.
0: Right, and that's just for their own safety and also perhaps concerns from the local pastors in regards to the connection and…
1: Correct, yes. The local pastors, um, the, the way it was explained to me was that if the local pastors knew that they were Muslim background believers there, they would be in fear for their own safety. Wow. Well. But so, they were
0: taking a level of risk anyway being at the conference, aren't they? In, in a place where the w- brotherhood had, had its beginning?
1: Yes, they were taking a level of risk. That is why the hotel we stayed in, we checked them all into the hotel. We didn't leave the hotel. We had breakfast in the hotel. We had the conference in the hotel. And when everything was over, everybody left and it was done. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was quite different. It was It was quite different. But the sad reality for me is that no other ministries have been there. These pastors have relied on their own um, education or Christian education and learning and teaching uh, to function there as best they could without very much support at all in that part of Almenia.
0: Incredible. So were there any local Almenian Pastors or ministries that were attending the conference? All of them were
1: from Almenia. All of them. Forty, okay. forty pastors representing forty ministries. So it's not a small little town we're talking about. It's not a small town. It's quite big. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's quite, and it's quite significant, and it's in a part of a area called Upper Egypt.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So, would they have? You know, in some cities where there is persecution, quite often you'll find spots where there's relative peace. They might call it a Christian quarter. Do they operate the same way, or do they, are they dispersed amongst all the other people of the population, whether they be Muslim or
1: otherwise? In parts of Cairo, they do have a Christian quarter. Um, the the field worker that we have in Egypt actually showed me the Christian quarter where he was raised. Mm. You know, But it's few and far between. You find this in all different areas. Um, in a place like Almenia, there isn't. No, it's, they all spread within the community, so... Like, it's very hard to grow a church in an environment like that because there are limited Christians there. So anybody that's going to join the faith will come from a Muslim background. And that comes with a lot of challenges within that local community because everybody knows everybody. Mm. You know, just the way it is within these places.
0: Right. So for those Christians there, it's not illegal for them to be Christians. They can operate... As Christians, they may be frowned upon by the community, but from a governmental perspective, what they're doing is perfectly fine.
1: Yes, it is. But like it is in all other Muslim countries or Muslim-dominated countries, they will allow you to practice your faith freely with limitations, but do not convert Muslims to Christianity. That's where you cross the line within these countries, and that brings the heat that you get from all of them. Mm. Uh, Worst case scenario, the radicals just don't like Christians and you have to convert or you pay a tax and then they let you go, that sort of thing. But in these countries, you can exist as a Christian, but it's very, very hard because everything is against you.
0: Mm. So the encouragement there for people would be then typically just not to share their faith, not to be a witness, perhaps be a witness only within the confines of the walls of the church. But if you go and share the gospel, which is the gospel commission that Christ gave his church, if you go and share that, you're pretty much destined for trouble.
1: That's true. What we do find, however, is that in countries like Egypt, Muslim background believers, once they've come to Christ, they get baptized. They are so on fire. They really really get the fact that they need to be doing the Great Commission and they'll share their faith with anybody. And we constantly need to remind them to do that with discernment. They, they will do it however, without fear of reprisal. They just do it because they know that's what they have to do. So the commitment to their faith is on a, just a whole other level and very wow. commendable. And um, many of them still continue to pray five times a day as they did when they were Muslims. Mm. They now pray to Jesus Christ. They pray to our Lord five times a day.
0: Wow, what a great discipline to bring across, though, isn't it? I mean, there's there's power in prayer. No wonder they uh, are so successful in the work that they do. And, of course, it's a very dangerous work that they do.
1: And sadly, you know, one example that I can cite to you is one of the Muslim background believers that we met. And I actually did an interview with him. And I shared with him, you know, what's it like being a Muslim background believer living in a Muslim home? because she lives with her family still, mm. and the families, her father's okay with it. And her father is an imam, oh. and she and her father initially clashed when she became a Christian, and she moved away from home and so on. And her father softened his heart to her, through a lot of prayer from her and a church community that they've got. Mm. And her father has now softened his approach so much that he wants to know more but he said to her, if somebody had approached him 20 years ago and told him about Jesus, he would have been a Christian today.
0: Is that right?
1: And that, is, that blew me away. That absolutely blew me away. So the need for the gospel there and the, the, the harvest is so ready there. And we are seeing so many people come to Christ. So many Muslims come to Christ today. It's unprecedented. The ministry that we have in Alexandria today, two years ago when I first decided to support this ministry, Voice of the Martyrs Australia decided to support the ministry. The ministry consisted of three people. The pastor, his wife and his five-year-old daughter. Within six months that ministry grew to 800 people. Within a year it was 3,000. They're in their second year now. They are looking at 10,000 people being part of that ministry. Every single one of them that serves in the ministry and is part of the ministry are Muslim background believers. That's in a city like Alexandria only. Mm. And it's spreading. It's spreading all over Egypt. That is incredible.
0: You know, you you quoted there, Jesus said, you know, the the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And then to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers. And that is the experience that we're seeing there. Just people have not shared the gospel. And there's been people who've been wanting to receive the gospel if someone had just taken the time to tell them about Christ.
1: The part that we're particularly proud of as Voice of the Martyrs Australia is the fact that we're investing in a ministry that caters for Muslim background believers. Mm. People do not want to go there because it's dangerous. Right. But these people are probably more committed than many of our Christians in the West Mm. to their faith. And they want to grow. They want to learn. They want to develop their faith. They want to tell others about Christ. Why would we not support them? Interesting. I wonder if I can just change our
0: direction a little bit here and just come back to the the issue of persecution and just wondering if there would be early warning signs that uh, those who are experienced in the area can look for um, when persecution does actually take place. Is there normally things that happen prior to that
1: that says, okay, look, we've got to be careful because we know where this is leading? Look, um, the political system that's always... tense situation in Egypt Mm. that's definitely a warning sign when the radicals start becoming restless or they don't get things going their way it becomes a problem in Egypt it's a such a volatile place Um, last year alone there were a number of attacks on Christians that were just totally unprecedented Mm. unprovoked Coptic priests were killed Um, Other ministries, Christians were just arrested and locked away. So there's all these things constantly bubbling under the surface, you know. But you do find, as I said earlier, when we get um, occasions like Christmas, Easter, all the big Christian uh, times and important times in our Christian calendar, that's where the Muslim radicals really seem to want to disrupt it. And that has been the case in Egypt for many, many years now. And it's still the case today.
0: Mm. So uh, if we look at the, the signs that you're saying, sometimes there can be some um, things happen beforehand. that says, okay, things are starting to stir. People are getting restless. But then there's unprovoked attacks that just happen out of the blue. So you always have to be on your guard, I imagine, as a Christian there.
1: That is correct, yes. And um, the Muslim radicals there are very, very organized and very, very active So the least little thing, uh, a a Muslim that comes to Christ of any prominence, that'll cause a major backlash there, Mm -hmm. major backlash. Some of our Muslim background believers that I've interviewed um, have got family in the police or in the military, and once the word gets out that they're Christians, this sort of launches a nationwide manhunt for them because they're marked to be killed by their families. So... You know, it's not just a normal situation where, oh, I'm displeased with you because you changed your faith. Mm. This takes on a whole nother meaning when it's in a place like Egypt.
0: Yeah. yeah, Incredible. So I, I assume Egypt would have similar laws in regards to protecting people's freedoms and people's rights to a certain extent. So in other words, you can't just go and assault someone. You can't go and murder someone. Do the people get away with these assaults and mur- if they murder a Christian? I mean, what does the government do? What does the police do?
1: Look, I think when you look at places like Egypt, I think it's very difficult to get a conviction against any Muslim there. Mm. Regardless of what they did. It's like in Pakistan, you know, they, they have a blasphemy law. Yeah. And if somebody accuses you of it, that's it. You go to prison, it's bad news. So the law is there, the written law is there, but how the law is applied is very, very different. Mm. And this is where the challenge is for many Christians there. You can complain what they actually do about it. it's a whole other story. Incredible.
0: So, yeah. as you look at the the signs currently in Egypt, what are they telling us? I mean, do we have to, do we have reason to be optimistic?
1: Look, I think we have reason to be optimistic from the perspective that many Muslims are coming to Christ for sure. Mm. But I think as more people come to Christ, the level of evil is also on the rise. At the same time, the Middle East is a particularly volatile place. Uh, when you look at the countries that's around Egypt, although it's in Africa, you know, it's surrounded by all of these Muslim radical activities and just the ideologies that exist within Egypt there at the moment is making it even worse, Mm. you know. So it's a very, very difficult place. Um, But I think the signs are there that people are people are seeing Christ You know, as Muslims, they're having their own encounters with Christ. As Mm. Muslims, they're coming to Christ now. There's a lot of activity there. I attended uh, a particular place there that we support, and I won't mention where because many of you will know where it is. And the amount of Muslim believers, uh, background believers, who were there for a discipleship course absolutely astounded me. Mm. There were many of them there. You know, learning, wanting to know more about Christ, wanting to learn about their newfound faith. And the discipleship classes are getting bigger and bigger and more frequent. And that's a good thing. Yes. In a Muslim-dominated country for us. But those that are conducting those classes, their lives are in uh, constant danger.
0: Incredible. Yeah, what astounds me is how they actually do this, even knowing that there could be people fra- from the, the Muslim Brotherhood who could act as imposters. Well, we wouldn't know they are, who could maybe masquerade as interested in Christianity and that. And then, of course, infiltrate to see who these people are to identify them. Are there any issues like that? Are they concerned about that at all?
1: They are. They are. But, um, consummately, the church and This is not limited to Egypt, but Mm. the church frowns upon in countries like this. They frown upon Muslim background believers because many of them don't believe that they have made a true conversion to Christianity. That they are spies, that they want to see what's happening in the church Mm. so they can feed feed feedback and it causes problems for the church. So there's always this element of distrust. Why? I don't know, because like I've just explained, when you look at Muslim background believers, they, many of them are more committed than you and I are mm. to their newfound faith. And, they, and it's faith in action. And they're seeing the results. right. And God is using them in amazing ways mm. to share their gospel. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic, let me say that.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot we can actually learn uh, and be inspired by these stories from Christians in, in countries like like uh, Egypt Um, so what can Christians do are listening to this program today if they want to support Christians Christianity and frontline work
1: in Egypt look Christians they can firstly they can pray Mm. Prayer is the most powerful weapon we have is pray secondly they can support some of the projects and initiatives that we have got going in a place like Egypt Um, and frontline ministry is a particularly interesting and important one The other is medical, and thirdly, widows. Mm. There are many Christian widows there, and um, services generally are limited and restricted to Christians over there, like medical services and things like that. And also frontline ministry is absolutely important. Frontline ministry is not only important, it's very, very dangerous as I just shared. Yes. Very, very, very dangerous. So um, the frontline ministry pastors need our support. They don't function on very much. They have meager incomes. Some of them don't have an income. They really live by faith Mm. and rely on God to provide. There are needs for resources there, basic resources. There's always a need for Bibles. We always get requested to print more and more Bibles for Egypt, more and more children's discipleship literature, or new Christians discipleship uh, literature. We always get asked about these things. So the ministry does need our help. The ministry is growing alarmingly quickly, and we'd like to be there to support these guys so they can function.
0: Mm, Wonderful. Well, there's quite a few mentioned there. Obviously, prayer is very important, and it wouldn't be great if everybody prayed five times a day (laughs) for the work of VOM there in Egypt. Um, then you mentioned frontline ministry, medical, and also the support of widows. And out of those, uh, what would be your biggest need, would you say?
1: Look, I'd say the need frontline ministry would be for Christian literature, like Bibles, like discipleship training material, um, like children's Bibles. Um, those sorts of things are absolutely critical for us. Hmm.
0: Well, Tony, it's been a real uh, eye-opener to talk to you about Egypt today. It's been a privilege having you in the studio here at VOM Oz Radio. Dear listener, thank you for tuning in today and listening to the program. We pray that you would be blessed by the information that has been shared. And also, if you want to know more about uh, VOM Oz Radio, which is sponsored by Voice of the Martyrs Australia, please go to our website, and you can listen to past programs there as well. So that is vom.com.au. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. So good to have you in the studio with me today. And we look forward to catching up with you next time.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. God bless. God bless.
0: Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, Please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.